This is the Craft of Coaching podcast, where you'll learn about how to become a life coach with a strong skill set through understanding the craft of coaching. I'm Kate Swoboda, also known as Kate Courageous. As the director of a life coach training program called the Courageous Living Coach Certification Program, I'm passionate about the craft of coaching and how we evolve the skills and the industry. Learn more about our program at teamclcc.com, and here's today's episode. Hey, everybody. I'm excited to dive into today's topic because I think it is probably one of the most neglected topics in the coaching industry. And it is the topic of how you as a coach, once you are doing the work of building your business, you have obtained your certification, you manage your family, you might still have a salary job while you're making the, uh, the transition from working for someone else to fully building out your business. How do you as a coach continue to do a high level of personal work that will, will evolve you? How do you get into self-coaching? How do you get into a space of really giving yourself continuing education? And this is a really important question because as coaches, we really can only go as far with our clients as we ourselves have gone. Now, that does not mean that you have to have everything all figured out, okay? I'm not saying that until you yourself have a perfectly organized schedule, you've got no hope of helping a client get it. A perfectly organized schedule. I mean, we can take issue with the word perfect, right? Because nothing is ever perfect, but you get the gist of what I'm saying. It is not about you have to somehow have all of your life in order before you are equipped to help anyone else. And if you have ever had any worries or fears that, oh, hey, you know, I'm a coach. I have my own problems. How in the world can I possibly help someone else? definitely check out other Craft of Coaching episodes on this because I've addressed this question before. And in short summary, you know, you're not supposed to be perfect. There's no doctor who's perfect. There's no accountant who's perfect. And there's no therapist who are perfect, yet they all help the people that they serve. And the same is true of coaches as well. You have a skill set that can really be of benefit to people. And it's not about you being perfect. That's not how the skill set of coaching is offered. It's about the dance that you do with the work. But with that said, my hope is that anybody who's listening to this considers themselves to be a professional and goes, well, yeah, I got, I've got to do some continuing education now and again. You know, I've got to actually look at who I am, how I'm evolving as a person, and I've got to step into a space of really trying to look at where are the places where maybe I get blocked, and because I get blocked, someone else, a client that I'm trying to work with, ends up getting stuck as well. These are the essential questions, and I think that they're important questions to ask even aside from your profession as a coach. I mean, isn't it just important to you that you showing up here on the planet are living life in the biggest and boldest way that you know how? And I don't mean that in a way that has to be extremely extroverted. You know, bold for, for people is not always skydiving, climbing to the top of the mountain. Bold can be, I can say my true yes and my true no. 
and I don't get spun out with people getting mad at me. Bold can be, I know how to enjoy a quiet afternoon. You know, bold does not always have to look flashy. So as you're thinking about continuing education or self-coaching, think about what it means for you to live your best life. Think about what it means for you to replenish your own well, because that is the only place from which you will really be able to truly, truly give everything you've got as a coach for your clients. So continuing education then is the name of the game. So, you know, what does continuing education really mean? Well, a helpful framework is to treat your own learning as a coach in a similar manner as how your clients are learning through coaching. So what are some of the tendencies or commonalities? I know not every coach practices these exactly and not every coach practices these in a rigid sort of way, I guess you could say. But, uh, you know, first, most people start out with looking at goals or intentions. So what's that way for you? What are the goals or intentions that you might have? And if nothing immediately comes to you, like if there's not some immediate deep desire, you can always ask yourself, well, what is it that's not working as well in my life? What would I like to be better? Better doesn't always have to be grasping. You know, I, in the Courageous Living Coach Certification, sometimes trainees will ask, well, here's the thing. We, we know that we want to help our clients to live better lives. And yet at the same time, <laughs> we, we want people to accept themselves as they are. So are those counter to one another? How do you want to live a better life yet also accept yourself as you are? And my answer to that, I always like to use um, the metaphor of food and hunger. There's nothing wrong with being hungry. If you're in a state of hunger, the, the desire to fulfill that hunger, to make something better, is not bad. How we go about filling that hunger, however, can make all the difference. Because some of us, when we are hungry, completely freak out and get really tense and just like cannot handle being a little bit hungry. And then some of us, when we're hungry, eat things that don't really fulfill our hungers or don't really nourish us. And some of us eat too little and some of us eat too much and too little, too much and all of that. Of course, I'm, I'm referring to the unique individual. What's too little, too much for me might be different than for another person. So it's not about if your clients want to make something better or if you want to make something in your life better, that means that you're not accepting yourself as you are. I can want to release perfectionism in my own life. And I can see that that would fulfill a hunger I have for wholeness, for just being, for not feeling that impulse to push, 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 push for perfectionism. And I can do that while also accepting that it's going to be a process that I might not necessarily ever arrive at some place where I'm you know, no longer struggling with perfectionism. In case you're wondering, this is not a hypothetical example. Totally struggle with perfectionism. I do, I do. And I work on it all the time. And it doesn't mean I have to hate myself to work on it. So setting that goal or intention first. Scan through your life. And everything is a doorway. 
that's something else that we teach in CLCC, that everything is a doorway. So, you know, somebody says, I want to start coaching because I want to look at my, my marriage. And somebody says, I want to start coaching because I want to change careers. You know, those are just doorways because you take yourself with you wherever you go. Chances are very good that if there's anything that you'd like to shift or change in your life, how you react in one arena, such as career, is probably similar to how you react when things are stressful in another arena, such as marriage. People who tend to compare themselves a lot to others probably do that around physical fitness, probably do that around their careers, probably do that around their marriages, probably do that around creative expression. So given that we take ourselves with us wherever we go and that how we behave in one area often mirrors how we behave in other areas, you don't have to pick a coaching goal for your continuing education as a coach. You can decide what, what is really going to further me as a coach right now is not necessarily learning a new coaching technique, but rather working on some aspect of myself or my life where I want to show up bigger or bolder, or I want to allow myself space to just be quiet, to rest, to slow down. So what does continuing education mean? Again, these are similarities that tend to be true among coaches, and we can use coaching as how we approach continuing education. So first, set a goal or an intention. From there, determine some benchmarks along the way. If I know that I would like to release perfectionism, what are the benchmarks that that give me some idea of how I'll know that I'm making some kind of progress? This is a little bit easier when people tend to set health goals, right? You know, when I go into CrossFit and... Uh, a month ago, I was able to lift a certain amount of weight and then I try the same lift, but I add a little bit more weight. I can see that if I've had a goal to increase how much I can lift by 50 pounds, if I can lift 10 more from one month to the next, then I can see that I'm making progress towards that goal. It can be a little bit trickier when it's a way of being or how we show up in the world that we'd like to shift. So if you want to set a goal that it can be quantified pretty easily, you can do that. You could set a goal of making more money or working with X number more of clients or pitching yourself out X number of times to podcasts to try to promote your business or, you know, things like that. You can do things that are quantitative, but what about things that are qualitative, things that are measured based on qualities? So if I were looking at wanting to release perfectionism. And I was asking myself, okay, I've set this goal, this intention to release perfectionism. And now what are the benchmarks? I might be looking at things like, um, how am I responding when I make mistakes? How much effort am I putting into trying to control things, trying to keep a mistake from even happening? right? That's one of the hallmarks of perfectionism is trying to see if you can control it all and get it all set up so that everything goes perfectly. And then one of the hallmarks of perfectionism is that when things don't go perfectly, when mistakes happen, when life happens, there's a little bit of freak outage. So how do we let go of that freak outage, you know? So what are those benchmarks? That's the next thing to think about. 
And then third, hold yourself accountable. So it's very common amongst coaching practices the world over to start working with clients by having some idea of a focus, a goal, an intention to determine the benchmarks along the way that will be markers of progress or, or things we'll be looking for to see that things are moving. Um, sometimes people think of benchmarks as being like little goals that are hit along the way. And then there's holding yourself accountable. So how will I hold myself accountable? And around things that are quantified, often we hold ourselves accountable through simply showing up and doing the task. But with ways of being, like releasing perfectionism, check-ins are pretty helpful. Or thinking about, in advance, times when you might be super triggered around a behavioral pattern and then asking yourself what you'll do. So with perfectionism as the example I'm using for this podcast, it would be something like, I'll hold myself accountable by checking in weekly with how I feel I'm doing on, you know, perfectionistic behaviors or daily, you know, whatever works for you. Or it could be, I know I tend to get really perfectionistic around this specific area. And so instead of going into that pattern, I'm going to put a lot of presence and attention on this specific area. That's how I'll be accountable. So that is self-coaching. Self-coaching is all about the ability to look at your own life and to step into that with integrity. Now, you might not want to do self-coaching all on your own. Plenty of people find it really, really helpful to be able to work with someone as they are going through that process. And there are any number of leadership masterminds and intensives that are out there you can find out about the ones that I offer actually by going to yourcourageouslife.com and looking at the homepage because that's where I always have my main offerings. And I do work with small groups to really do that deep dive to get into like, hey, you know, you say that you have big goals, but then they don't come to fruition. Let's seriously get to the bottom of why that is. And personally, I have to say I use a mix of both. So I work with a coach one-on-one. I have um, intensives that I do where I work with people more intensively throughout the year because the reality is that we just don't always see what we don't see, you know? We can have a limiting belief or a solution to a problem just sitting right there and we don't even know it (laughs) until someone else points it out. Coaches need coaches. Coaches need coaching, right? It, and I really do believe that it's the, the more in-person work that I've done that has helped me to really put myself out there in a bigger way, to really decide, okay, it's time to start hitting these you know, financial metrics that I want to hit in my business and stop thinking that you know, that's, that's too much money or nobody's going to buy what I offer. And in case any of you are listening to this and you're, you're like, you, you run across those problems too. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, you know, doing some kind of work in a leadership intensive, a mastermind where you can really go, okay, it's time for me to put myself out there. It's time to get out there, show up all the way, really learn how to trust myself and get all the way in. For my money personally, the most intensive work comes from really working in an intensive way with somebody else who's going to guide that process. 
But I also supplement with reading books and, you know, when I buy a book, I like to me, that's a, that's a commitment. Okay. (laughs) You know, like I'm going to, I'm going to do the worksheets. And so some of you who are listening to this, you know, you could just go over to your bookshelf right now and pull books off the shelf and go, Hmm, did I just kind of do a fast read of that? Or did I really do a deep dive? into the worksheets, the reflection questions, the audio bonuses that came with the book. So, you know, you can set up continuing education for yourself right where you are right now. But with all things that I know people are contemplating adding into their already very busy lives, you need a reason, a good reason. And I think that it's helpful when we are looking at the things that we know we need to do, but that always kind of get pushed to the back burner to decide that we're going to do them from a place that's about how we want to show up in the world. So instead of it being just kind of aspirational, like I should do that work, I should do a little more continuing education, which we all know how shoulds go with our own clients, right? Let's make it about your way of being and who you want to, uh, the way that you want to show up in the world. Continuing education isn't just about learning something new. It's revisiting the basics. It's not letting ourselves get arrogant about our skill set. And you can really hold your head up with pride when you know that not only have you done the work of becoming trained to be a life coach and putting yourself out there, but that you continue to do the work. That this is about a mission-driven, purpose-driven sense of fulfillment for you to show up in the world and do this work in this way. So find new things to learn, revisit the basics, but make the decision to step into that arena and do that work about how you want to take pride in who you are as a professional. Now, I'll speak a little bit to continuing education that involves different topical niches, because I think this is another untapped and very interesting way of of approaching how we grow as coaches. So in the Courageous Living Coach Certification, we offer what we call major concentrations, and currently we have four. We have health and wellness, career, executive, and somatic coaching. And these are, you know, we think of them as being sort of like in college, you have a general education or a core curriculum that everybody has, you know, everybody does some classes as a freshman that are general ed. And then later you end up declaring a major. And when you declare that major, you do more of a deep dive into the topic. So, you know, I was an English major in college, so I did a lot with English and literature. Friends of mine were chemistry majors. They never really took any lit classes. I definitely never took any chemistry classes. And that's because you're, you're starting to go from general to more narrow. Now, even if you know that you want to be a more generalized life coach, studying different topical niches can be really helpful. Or even if you've already decided what niche you want to pursue as a coach, studying different niches can be really helpful. So for instance, if you know that you want to be an executive coach, studying somatic coaching could open up new connections for you because somatic coaching is all about how we use signals, sensations, feelings in the body to understand our experience better, to make decisions, to get clear. 
So somebody who's studying somatic coaching is looking at like, okay, I notice I feel really tight whenever I talk about this topic. What does that mean for me? And what do I want to do with that sensation in the body? Well, if you're an executive coach, it could be all too easy to go, oh, I don't need that. I'm an executive coach. I'm just working with CEOs, logic, KPIs, metrics, right? Well, wrong, because you're going to meet people as an executive coach who, for whatever reason, just don't respond as well to the like uber logical world of of corporate. (laughs) You know, there are a lot of people are trying to get out of the uber logical world of corporate because they don't feel like there's any room for anything outside of that uber logical ethos. So studying somatic coaching could be wildly beneficial for you when you inevitably run across clients who just process more somatically. There are other benefits too. I mean, uh, I think an executive coach, a study of executive coaching paired with health and wellness can be wonderful because maybe there's somebody who wants to be a health and wellness coach. And if they also understand some of what's going on for executives, then maybe in addition to a one-on-one health and wellness practice, they could occasionally pitch themselves themselves out to local uh, corporate entities saying, hey, I'd like to come in and talk to your employees uh, for a one-day workshop for this amount of money about exercise, eating habits, nutrition, meditation, stress reduction. And employers are often very interested in those sorts of workshops because it helps with their health insurance premiums. So broadening your horizons a little bit about continuing education that could actually open up new revenue streams can be really helpful. And then the last thing that I want to end today's podcast with is continuing education through practice with other coaches. I would really challenge anyone listening to this to, you know, you really want to take your game to the next level as a coach, regularly swap sessions with other coaches Experiment with new approaches. Shake up your comfort zone. You know, swapping with other coaches is a great opportunity to identify weaknesses. As a for instance, many coaches have trouble with confronting with kindness. They have trouble with when clients don't do what they say they're going to do, holding a boundary and speaking into that boundary with the client and saying, actually, you know, we really need to start our sessions on time you know, or that payment that was late, we got to talk about that. What can we do to set it up so that payments are in on time? That's very uncomfortable for a lot of coaches to do. Or times where clients, you know, they, they have sessions, they are given practices or they choose practices of their own and then they just don't follow through. So what is it going to take for us to get accountable around following through? That conversation can be awkward. So swap a session with a peer coach, find someone, And you can start the session by saying, you know, I I really would like to practice confronting with kindness today. So is there anything you'd like to be confronted with kindness about? And then this becomes your playing ground to practice the things that feel like weaker aspects of the skill set. So speaking of continuing education, I've given you quite a few ideas as to how you might go about that. And so now I'll step into coaching mode and ask you to turn that into action. So here's how you could do it and consider this your checklist if you like. First, what does continuing education mean for you? 
what sort of education would you like to embark upon so that you really look yourself in the mirror, make eye contact, and you are like, I am a damn good life coach, and I know that I work at this. I know that I've invested and continue to invest as part of a commitment to excellence in coaching my time and my energy into being the best coach that I can be. From there, what's a goal or intention that you'd like to set for yourself? What's something you'd like to work on? And then what are some benchmarks that you could establish for that along the way? And how will you hold yourself accountable? What aspects of continuing education can be about learning something new and what aspects can be about revisiting the basics? Do you do well learning on your own or would you like the structure and support of a community or another coach who's going to help you hold space for your process? When you look at continuing education, is there a niche that you want to study? Is there a specific niche that you want to do a deep dive into? And if so, of course, that could be your goal or your intention. Where will you get that training? What benchmarks will happen along the way? How will you hold yourself accountable to that study? And then finally, are you regularly swapping sessions with other coaches so that you can get out of your comfort zone, experiment with new approaches, maybe even pull out some ICF core competencies, record one another, pull out the ICF core competencies and evaluate one another. These are the sorts of things that personally I am doing on a regular basis. I am looking at what does it mean for me to evolve and grow professionally as well as personally? How am I setting up structures for myself to look at how I'm moving through that process of evolving and growing, staying accountable to it? What sorts of benchmarks or um, movement am I seeing? Am I looking at, at things that are outside my comfort zone? Am I revisiting the basics? Am I swapping sessions with other coaches? Am I thinking about the different aspects of the coaching skill set, which I think are very beautifully expressed in the ICF core competencies? And you can Google the ICF core competencies if you'd like a copy of them to review yourself. Now, I realize that it can feel a little overwhelming, like, ah, there's always more to learn. And the invitation then would be take on a reframe. Because this is one of the most exciting things about this business. You are always learning. It's kind of a cool thing. Things don't get stagnant unless, of course, you get stagnant, which I'm sure you're not going to do, right? All right, go ahead and get those action steps going. If you have a moment, please give us a rating on iTunes. It's so appreciated and so helpful. Helps other people to find this podcast. You can learn more about the Courageous Living Coach Certification at teamclcc.com. That's T-E-A-M-C-L-C-C.com. And you can find me all over the internet. Kate Courageous on Instagram, Your Courageous Life on Facebook, and you can also visit the yourcourageouslife.com website for additional continuing education materials, actually. You can elevate your courage, face your fear, step into some bigger ways of playing in life. And as always, thanks so much for listening.